Hey cousins, this is Tiff. Today's topic is a little mature for our younger audience. Listener discretion is advised. And I'm Tiff. And we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to episode 49. Welcome. How are you? I was good until about five (laughs) minutes ago. (laughs) You would think 49 episodes in, we'd figure out how uh, we start each show, but every day is a new day. Yeah. Let's just say brain farts were involved and I forgot (laughs) what I was doing. (laughs) Maybe a stroke. That's the only explanation. Yes, so um, today is our season finale. It is. It is. Congratulations. Yay, we did it. Season one. Um, I feel like it went really well. I I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got 463 last I saw. Yes, you know, 463 followers on Facebook. Mm -hmm. We have 83 followers on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many followers we have on Twitter. But um I don't know either. We've also made some great connections yeah. and now have made like, some new friends. Yes, have like our sisters in Oklahoma podcasting now. Mm-hmm. And uh we've had over ten thousand downloads. I know that's crazy. It's insane. So I remember we were just going to be happy if we had like five. Yeah. I think that was on <laughs> that our That weren't related board. to us. Yeah, that was on our vision <laughs> yeah. board. We'll have to make a new one. I know. We'll need a new one. So, um, but I guess what I'm really trying to say is thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, guys. You. This we couldn't have, or gals, y'all, thank y'all. Thank y'all. <laughs> yeah. We could not have done this without you all's support and love and everyone's been so nice and so gracious and um that's what I was nervous about like people would get mean but nobody has ever been mean to us so we are excited we will bring you season two in September Mm -hmm. so we're gonna take a little bit of a break yeah we just need a little bit of break to about to start school oh it's already my every minute of my every moment of my day is scheduled right now and I haven't I haven't even officially come back to school yet i don't even do that till next monday so. just just needs a little bit of break <laughs> it's fine it's fine we all need that we all need to self-care treat ourselves so. and um it, i like how it worked out where true crimes our last one so the next time we start over it's a dark history which is yes. like the very first yes. that we did so and we definitely still have some shows to cover mm-hmm. for we people. still and we still and, want recommendations right. or uh, suggestions. And we still want um, those. I think another fun thing, uh, we've gotten some really great listener tales. Um, and so we may have to bring that back. Yes. And, you know, if you guys have anything you want to share, like any kooky or spooky story you want to share with mm-hmm. us, please do. Yep. You don't even have to put your name on it if you don't want. We won't say it. Doesn't it doesn't even have to be like paranormal if you have like a crazy true crime right something or another that happened in your town or something or you saw yeah hit us up if you're like a witness to it or something that'd be cool i mean it's probably not cool but it would be cool if you told us about it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um um so i'm just we're just real thankful yes how you guys have done it without y'all no no we are so appreciative and you know if anybody is going to the ghost hunt this weekend in Oklahoma City with Jeff Provine. If you're going to be there, like, don't be shy. Please talk to us. Please come up to us. Yes. We'd Please love to tell meet you. us. Please tell us. We're going to be the goofballs who are probably hanging on every word. Yeah. <laughs> being, or the one with her phone out because she's taking notes. Or the one who tripped and fell in public. That would be Jeff. That would be me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, please come and talk to us and, you know, share we just hope that we're just going to get bigger and better yeah. as next season comes along. So, you have any other business? Nope. We just okay. have the ghost tour this coming Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, this coming yeah. Saturday. Um, 
September. I think we're still going to maybe try and do the Rose District oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. tour I in Broken to. Arrow. Yeah, I need to look into that again make sure that okay, they still yeah. have things. And then October, we're going to the Tulsa Art Deco Ghost Walk. Right. In right. the morning. <laughs> 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 Which I think will be fun. Yeah, I think so, too. So I think that's really it. Okay. Well, uh, we are wrapping up our four-party t- party. <laughs> four-parter today over the Girl Scout murders. I will just tell you that doing this deep dive into it has just really opened up my eyes a lot. Um, of course, being an Oklahoman, this is a um, case that most of us are familiar with. And um, even if we weren't at some point, you know, we became familiar with like, you know, it's only been about two years since I became familiar with it. But, and there's still a lot of questions, I think. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of holes. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those that, you know, I think we've talked about it before. Like if we had to rank the top cases that we would want. Yeah to be solved like I I think you and I both said this might be our number one yeah and um like to fully solve like fully we have the full story mm-hmm. um and I mean I, in my mind it ranks up there with like cases like John JonBenet Ramsey and like the Zodiac Killer and well, yeah and I mean because I think this is the 47th year yes I believe 77 will make it 50 and so. um to think that a case that has been unsolved Mm -hmm. for that long and it's one of those where we now know who did it well yeah we we know he at least was a part of it we don't know why right we'll never know why we do know he was definitely involved right and it's just it just goes to show that if you keep persevering and questioning and Mm mm-hmm you know, trying to get it out there that it can, you know, keep, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like keep it up in people's minds. Right. And it's something that, you know. Yes. I mean, prime examples would be, you know, right now those guilt, the Gilgo, the Gilgo beach murders, mm-hmm. um, you know, those were something that were unsolved and unsolved and unsolved. And, uh, now look at it. Mm-hmm. you know yeah that, thank goodness for google and ancestry.com right. and i know the lady of the dunes mm-hmm. btk uh the golden state killer all of these are prime examples of why why we still do what we do mm-hmm. why we do why many podcasts do what we do yeah and um you know because i'll be honest i like to talk about the spooky stuff mm-hmm. talking about true crime it gets to me and mm-hmm. Because uh, you just look at it. I mean, of course, we all look from it from hindsight. And you're mm-hmm. just like, gosh, like, why? You know? Yeah. So um, I just, that's just kind of my yeah opinions and feelings about it. So, you know, and you never know what you could have seen or mm-hmm. what you know. And there are such things as deathbed confessionals. And mm-hmm. that could start happening anytime yeah. soon. So, yeah. So I guess I will go ahead and get started. So... Um, we ended the last episode with the uh, trial of Gene Leroy Hart versus mm-hmm. the state of Oklahoma, and he was found not guilty mm-hmm. of first-degree murder in the deaths of Lori Farmer, Doris Milner, and Mich- Michelle Gousset. Um, so now, what happened after? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, And then I think I also mentioned that Hart was returned to prison because he still had 308 years <laughs> yeah. worth of sentences that he had to um, complete for all of his burglary, burglary crimes. Yep. And, you know, two, three months. I mean, it was like June 4th, I think. Mm-hmm. He dies of an I alleged. Mean, it was like, what did they say? Two years? Yeah. After the murders? Yeah, almost almost two years because he died in 79. Yeah. And so, it was June. Tw- it was like June fourth or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. June twelfth. I only remember that because it's my mom's birthday. So he died. Now I will tell you that it is alleged, mm-hmm. and I only say that 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 is what that his death certificate says. He died of a heart attack. That is what the state of Oklahoma will tell you he died. I did read in various sources that his family did not believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. They believed that he was murdered in prison, and um, that it was kind of a cover up. But on the same token, when you look at things like this, and we, 
I'm not condoning this by any means. I'm not saying that this is right. Mm-hmm. Um, but prison justice seems to take care of its own. Mm-hmm. I mean, the case of what's his name? Um, not John Wayne Gacy. But we just we there's several cases that we are familiar with, especially in the true oh, crime. I think community. I know what you're talking about. Um, but it's like not coming. I know his head's not coming. It'll come to us. Like it right will come to it will. And everyone, I, everyone, all of our fans are screaming his name at us right Probably. now. But he was murdered in prison. Uh-huh. It's going to bother me so bad. <laughs> so it's just a, it's one of those things. Like his family, I believe, believe that he was murdered in prison because um, that people honestly believed that he was the murderer, even though the jury of his peers found him uh, innocent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and like I said, I'm not saying that that's right, right, but I'm also, I'm not dumb enough to say that that kind of stuff doesn't happen in prison. Right. Well, we all kind of know that one thing you don't mess with are children. Absolutely. And, uh, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would come to you. I know. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, prison has its own kind of justice system right way, exactly so and i'm not saying that that's right like right. I, I mean i don't necessarily think that is right um especially well, we're just saying it happens yeah, it it's, happens it's, and and i i don't know that i believe that that's what really happened his family believes that that's what really happened or that something along those lines happened i don't know that i believe that um, i have a hard time well okay I, it just to me it's we don't know right Right. We don't know. And yeah, we don't know. And and until any type of evidence were to ever come forward, then I, you know, would say at that, this point, what good would it do? Right. It's not like we can bring him back. So and I mean, yeah. Right. So um, we're going to go to June 29th of 1977. OK. Uh, kind of something strange happens. So this is almost exact, a little over two years, I mean, two, like two years and like two weeks, essentially, after the murders there at Camp Scott, a Girl Scout was dragged from her tent in Sarasota, Florida, during camp. And so I, I, I feel like we're all under the impression that all these security measures were supposed to be taken now. Mm-hmm. And for this to happen, mm-hmm. this happened in Oscar, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Schrerer State Park. To a 15-year-old camper, her name was Charlotte Gross. She was dragged by her hair through a thick underbrush. Here again, thick underbrush, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they were supposed to be getting rid of that kind of stuff. By a heavyset man. He simply ripped open the back of the tent and grabbed the girl before dawn. Two other girls were present in the tent and screamed, alerting leaders and other campers. So here again, I don't think any counselors were present in the tent with the girls. Uh, the sheriff was immediately called and deputies quickly found boot prints and bear footprints leading bear, not bear, like the animal bear, B-A-R-E. Oh, oh I was like bear. So on and top it, of that, they had to deal with bears. <laughs> Great. This is Florida. This is no, Florida. Right. They actually have black bears. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bear, B-A-R-E <laughs> footprints leading to an old plant nursery. On June 30th, the girl called her father and reported that she was safe It was reported that this phone call took place 17 hours after she had been abducted. She assured her father she was okay and would be released soon. July 3rd, the girl was released unharmed and her abductor was apprehended. So Charlotte, she was missing for a total of 53 hours. So... Okay, so she wasn't murdered, though. She no, was just ab- she wasn't. Abducted. She was abducted. I, none of my sources said anything about her being assaulted in any way. Okay, that's um, going to be my next question. So it 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 does say that she was unharmed. So I'm assuming that maybe he just drug her out. I don't, and it never said any reason why he did it. Yeah, a little kind of a kooky thing that happened. Yeah, that's odd. At the end of July of 1977, a pair of tennis shoes appeared at Camp Scott. It was rumored to have been Denise Milner, or to be Denise Milner's, because it was claimed that her name was written inside the shoes. They said that they were found on the front steps of the, quote, command post, Mm -hmm. which was used during the investigation. This was the rumor for a very, very long time, actually. And I think a lot of people believed it to have actually been true. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't officially refuted until 2014. 
Oh, interesting. When Denise's mother finally came forward and stated that they were not her daughter's shoes, the shoes had been those of a previous camper, and uh, and furthermore, Denise's name weren't inside of them. Yeah, I think I remember reading that somewhere mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And- that just seems so odd. Like, why would they just randomly show up like that? I think at that point, people... But the camp was closed at that point. It was, it was closed. It was closed. And um, I feel like people were just messing with investigators. Because at this time, they should have still had an investigation open because mm-hmm. they had no murderer. Right. So it's just something I think that was odd. Maybe, I mean, if we want to go into conspiracies, you know, when you think about it... I, for one, do not think that Gene Leroy Hart acted alone. Yeah, I don't either. And could that have been the other person who was with him? You know, doing something? Trying to throw him off. Yeah, absolutely, trying to throw him off. So um, that's just my thought, you know. Uh, April of 1979, William Bill Alton Stevens, uh, he had denied involvement in the Camp Scott murders. And he was one of those that people had accused. He was one of the suspects at one time. Um, He was interviewed by OSBI again while serving a life sentence in Kansas for rape, robbery, and kidnapping along with his partner, Dwayne Peters. So you can tell at this point they're still investigating. Mm -hmm. And so they go, and this this guy was like their suspect number two. Mm -hmm. You know, and so they went, and they're like, all right, let's talk to you. On May 16th of 1979, two of the victim's families sued for $3.5 million. This would amend a September of 1977 lawsuit by the same families against the Magic Empire Council okay. and their insurance companies. Okay. They're suing them for libel that they were the reason that the girls were murdered. On June 12th of 1979, so exactly two years after the after the Girl Scout murders, Mm -hmm. a nude man is chased from a Girl Scout tent in Topeka, Kansas. The camp counselor woke up to a noise, found the man in a tent with four sleeping girls, and chased him and caught him. She caught him. She caught him. She beat him? Well, here's the thing. He hit her in the head with a flashlight and got away, but she tackled him. What is wrong with people? I know, but she, I mean. (sighs) Sickos. Yeah. Oh, I think I needed to amend what I said. The, my very first comment about June 29th, 1977, that was two weeks after the murders, not two years. The murders happened in 1977. Wait, say that again? Well, when I first said, at the very beginning when I said June 29th, 1977, I oh. said, oh, this event happened two years after. No, oh. it happened two weeks. Sorry I about see. that to everyone who was screaming at me. <laughs> at least you caught it right. before we edited right. it. <laughs> I know. So I apologize there. All right. So in 1981, the Magic Empire Council in Tulsa acquired land on the Zinc Ranch in Osage County, known as Camp Tall Chief. So many of our present day Girl Scouts are probably like Girl Scouts our age are Uh probably familiar with Camp Tall Chief. The purpose was to resume Girl Scout summer camps. Cabins were now raised cabins and not tents. They had walls. There were fewer trees, and they weren't... Remember back in, like, the 1920s or 30s, they went and planted a bunch of trees. That was not going to happen this go-around. A large barbed wire fence surrounded the camp. There were professional security guards on site, places for medical and and or law enforcement to provide quick responses in case of an emergency. What year was this? 79? 81. 81. Yeah. I feel like that's still just too soon. Right. Like, I don't, like... If I had gone in 77 and I was like on the younger side. If you were eight. I, part of me thinks I would be just oh, too scared to even absolutely, want to go. Absolutely. Especially if you were in that first session in 77. Mm-hmm. All staff members were screened and attended mandatory trainings with health and safety and emergency procedures. Parents and visitors were not allowed to show up at camp unannounced at any time. They weren't allowed to. I mean, I get that. But how does that help with people who sneak their way on like uh, Mr. Gene Leroy Hart? But now we've got a big fence, a big tall fence with barbed wire surrounding it. So it wouldn't prevent everybody, but it would prevent some. You know, True. on June 13th of 1982, the future of Camp Scott was debated. 
It had not been re- reopened since the murders. Uh, the gate was locked and guarded by a new park ranger. It wasn't the same one that was there during the murders. That guy, after the murders, he packed up and moved. And he wasn't going to, and I can 100% I was going to say, I don't feel blame for him. him. I don't blame him at all. Uh, May 12th of 1984, Mays County Sheriff Paul Smith announced he knew who murdered the three girls. He claimed it was not Gene Hart. He believed one of the murder weapons to be a hammer. He also sent divers to search Fort Gibson Reservoir for a car the suspects drove. He believed more than one person was involved, which like I I said before, like, I mean, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Two different weapons were used. And two different kinds of knots were used to bind the girls. So that also, in my mind, also indicates that there was probably Mm -hmm. more than one uh, murderer. By May 16th of that same year, OSBI discounted the claims because the hammer didn't match the pattern marks found on the victims. Divers also never located a car. Well, see, like, part of me is like, that's almost like sending them on a wild goose chase. Oh, absolutely. Because then, come to find out, the witness who helped Sheriff Smith admitted to lying. So let's waste all of our, right? You're wasting all of the, and I don't think some people realize that. So they were either on the side of Jean Leroy Hart, Mm -hmm. or they were in the group where they just wanted the reward money for whatever purpose, or the acclaim of solving the case i think so and i just i think people don't realize like when you are sending divers to go search a lake that is taking taxpayers money Mm -hmm. that could be used in other cases for other reasons true and that's a waste right the same with i mean maybe the hammer maybe that wasn't so much of a waste you wanted to test to make sure to see just to see but and then when you find out this guy was just lying or this person was just lying, like, I don't know. Should have been arrested and put in jail, honestly. Exactly. You should be fined for the amount of money that you took from the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. But I know it happens all the time. Yeah. On June 13th of 1984, Sheriff Smith still wanted to pursue the murders. And with the help of OSBI, a new active investigation started. The next day, this is really kind of kooky, uh, that Bill Stevens... Mm -hmm. He dies in prison after being stabbed to death in his um, in his cell. By his cellmate or just... It didn't say by who, but I mean, I would assume it was by a cellmate or somebody. On March 19th of 1985, Dr. and Mrs. Farmer and Mr. and Mrs. Milner file a civil suit against the Magic Empire Council for negligence of the Scout Council and insurance company. They are asking, or they asked for... million each, which would be about, it would be over $7 million today, Mm -hmm. in actual and punitive damages. This was the second time the families had filed suit against the council and its insurance company. It was argued that adequate security was not provided. The insurance company inspected the property, the camp, before signing the liability policy and saying that it was fine. Thus, they should have realized those inadequacies because they had signed it. So they knew. Mm-hmm. It seems the trial was a debate on whether or not the camp was, quote, well-run, was a well-run wilderness retreat, which tragically became the site of horrible but unavoidable mi- murder spree, or was it an inadequately staffed, unprotected, overgrown location in which strangers, thieves, and ultimately killers roamed free? Well, because if you think about it, how many adults were actually there? Right. Because they might have been They're in the saying, office part. They say roughly 40. Of the 140 people, they say roughly 40 of them were adults. Because in the Kiowa camp, there was only three. Those were mostly mm-hmm. younger. Well, at least one of them we know of was right. a 15-year-old. Right. There was, and there was only three, quote, adults. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good question. They don't ever come out and say how many of these counselors were younger than the age of eight. Not that I'm saying 18-year-olds are... I mean, technically they are adults, but I mean, you could be 18 and still be in high school. Right. And I mean, most of us spend some of our high school 18 Mm -hmm. years old, you know. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's a good point. Attorneys pointed out that the lack security, heavy woods, and years of intruders and theft is what, is what was leading to this. Additionally, the incidents on the camp the months prior to the murders should have warned the staff of a greater need for more security. Yeah, I agree with that. I, 100%. The donuts that were stolen. Yes. 
all the other items that had been stolen before the campers even mm-hmm. got there should have been taken more seriously. And lawyers were like, these incidents should have been reported to authorities. Yeah. They weren't. The camp's attorneys argued that the intrusions were often that of local sportsmen or other camp members or even pranks and that contacting police was unnecessary. Here's my thing. If you see some strange man walking through your camp with a rifle, you're going to go say something to him, right? You don't know those people. Maybe if you d- if you would have had a fence surrounding the whole place. Right. And I have a feeling that, and I think they didn't, they didn't have a fence. So if there's these hunters going around, furthermore, you've got girls at summer camp and you've got hunters walking around. Like where's a stray bullet could hit him at any time is mm-hmm. what I, is, I don't know if that's how it really was, but that's how I am well, I'm seeing it right now. What was it? I think it was the first cave that was found was found by some squirrel hunters. Exactly. In the summer. In the summer. So, okay. So that makes sense. Like if that's happening, There's no telling who could be walking through those camps at any time. Mm -hmm. Sheriff Weaver even admitted that the day of the camper's arrival in June of 1977, he was, in fact, investigating a burglary of a farmhouse near the camp that day. Is it that Shroff house? I believe so. Shroff, however you say it. Jean Leroy Hart was often sighted at his mother's home where she lived a mile from Camp Scott. Mm -hmm. The sheriff also realized after the murders that the camp had no security. It was also discovered that camp leaders had never been told what to do in the event of an intrusion. In fact, intrusions were kept a secret as to, quote, not upset the new counselors or campers. Wait, say that one more time? It was... These intrusions were kept a secret because they did not want to upset new counselors or campers. I don't have any words. I can't. I I can't even. Magic Empire officials argued that they had planned for every type of emergency, but never would have planned for or imagined murder to happen. Then you didn't plan for every type of emergency. It doesn't sound like you planned very well. Exactly. Because if you planned for every type of emergency, then murder should have been one of those considered. And I hate to say that. Maybe it's because I'm looking at it through 2023 lenses and not 1977 lenses. Well, I'm stuck on the fact of the the intrusions before the camp even opened for the campers. Yeah. Like, I, that just baffles me. Right. Uh, They claimed that every time they would tell the Locust Grove police authorities about incidents, they were told the camp was out of their jurisdiction. It was also stated that even though the camp was believed to fall under Mays County jurisdiction, Locust Grove police advised them to contact the police, not the sheriff's office. So right there, we have two contradicting statements. Mm -hmm. And at that point, who do they contact? Right. If that is true. And I don't know if it is. That is what this is what the camp is saying that the police told them. And that very well could could have have happened. Exactly. Exactly. Barbara Day believed that o- that the OHP trooper Harold Barry mm-hmm. routinely walked through the 410-acre camp to check on its safety. He walked through 410 acres routinely. 410 acres. Well, how, 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 like, you start at one point. How long do you think it actually takes you to walk the entire camp back to the point you started with 410 acres? Right. You can't tell me that it didn't take... Less than an hour. It, it probably in my was mind, I was way like, more than that. Hold You're in the woods, too. Yeah. You're in the woods on steep terrain. And it's places. one person. One Anybody person. can slip by one right. person. Right. It was also claimed by Paul J. Thompson, Tulsa security expert and the security director of American Airlines and a former presidential bodyguard. So he had the accolades to back this up. That he felt several basic security improvements at the camp would have helped deter the murder. Common sense, he thinks, was not used. And I might have to agree with that. I I think I would have to, too. Things like all-night watches, unarmed guard, less underbrush, better placements of tents and cabins, a bell system to ring when intruders were encountered would have all helped. Mm -hmm. It was discovered the counselors did have walkie-talkies, however... The camp state, the the uh, camp base station wasn't working. What's the point? Mm-hmm. So on March twenty seventh of nineteen eighty five, the jury the jury ruled in favor with a nine to three vote. 
in favor of the Magic Empire Council and its insurance <gasps> Are agency. you kidding me? No. Oh, my god! And in the lens of 2023 eyes, they would have been sued. And the, I, in today, I th- that would have been reversed. Mm-hmm. But yes. So on May 7th of 1985, new trial requests were rejected by the civil lawsuit by the parents of the victims. In June of 1985, an appeal was filed to the Oklahoma Supreme Court. Um, But in December of 1986, the State Court of Appeals upheld the 1985 decision that the Magic Empire Council was not liable for the murders. Did they go bankrupt? Oh, no. I think they're still here. I'm pretty sure that's still who runs the Tulsa one. Shame on you. That's all I've got to say. (laughs) In August of 1988, Camp Scott officially goes up for sale. Several acres on the south end was sold in the spring of 1987, and the rest was sold in late of 1988. And I believe whoever bought it then still owns it today. In 1989, the Girl Scout murders by Charles Sasser is, or Sasser, is produced but pulled from shipping. There was a possible copyright infringement to Wilkerson's book, and I must have skipped where I put um, oh I did I skipped it somehow I skipped this part that in 1981 the first book about the murders Someone Cry for the Children by Dick Wilkerson was published Okay. so in 1989 the Girl Scout murders by Charles Sasser was published but pulled from shipping because they thought there was going to be a copyright infringement from Wilkerson's book okay June 7th 1989 first DNA evidence is delivered to the FBI from the murders This is unusual because the FBI made a special exception for the Girl Scout case. It broke its rule that it was only accepting active cases. Mm -hmm. This was the only cold case that they were accepting. And at this point, it's 10, it's, would you say 87 or 89? 89. Yeah, 12 years. 12 years old. In October, on October 24th of 1989, the first DNA test failed to conclusively answer questions regarding a murder suspect. On October 25th, genetic testing linked Gene Hart, but could not conclusively determine if he was the killer. His body fluids matched three of the five DNA probes from the evidence. 75%. The DNA evidence was getting to be old and starting to deteriorate, thus making results inconclusive. And we have to, you know, say at that point, in 1977, they knew that they needed to keep that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. They knew that someday we might be able, but I don't know that they knew how to properly store it. Yeah. I mean, they just didn't have that technology. Yet, right. So. Right. So you can't, can't blame them there. Right. On August 20th of 1990, Minister Reverend Gerald Manley claimed to have witnessed the murders and could ID two of the killers. He claimed he ran out of gas late one night and two young men, men drove up to help him. The men talked about a stolen purse from a counselor's tent at Camp Scott. The minister got his gas and then went to sleep in his car. He then claimed one of the men woke him up, brought him to a a tent at Camp Scott where he saw two more men he did not know. He looked in the tent and saw one victim on the floor and two others zipped up in sleeping bags. So if this is true, there are now four men inside of the Kiowa camp. Right. Furthermore, if you saw that, why didn't you say something in 1977? OSBI said when the story was originally brought forward years prior, there was nothing to substantiate his story. I don't believe it anyway. On June 8th of 1996, uh, private investigator Ted LaTurner claimed to have three suspects, an eyewitness and evidence regarding the murder case. He filed a petition seeking a grand jury to look into the murder investigation. He previously claimed OSBI had some evidence he had submitted as a PI in 1989 and 90. LaTurner wanted the case reopened and asked the FBI to perform two DNA tests on a man in a Kansas prison, a man recently released from Oklahoma Department of Corrections, and a man living in eastern Oklahoma. On June 11th, Mays County District Judge James Goodpaster invalidated LaTurner's petition to investigate due to not meeting legal requirements. Unnamed eyewitnesses, unspecified scientific evidence, unspecified crime committed by unnamed law enforcement officials. So it was all hearsay at that point. Right. 
On June 13th, Letourner refiled the petition. On June 15th, the district judge certifies the petition. So I'm assuming he all of a sudden he's got all these names and things. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know why he just wouldn't have done it in the first place. Yeah. Letourner had 45 days to gather approximately 340 signatures, saying that they believed that the case needed to be reopened. I see. However, Letourner was facing jail time if he didn't pay... $775.40 of a $1,000 find he had received in 1991 for operating as a PI without a license. Oh, good grief. He did pay the fine. So on July 4th, Letourner postpones his efforts due to upcoming elections. Uh, there was It was election season. Uh-huh. So November 16th, he refiled. Now, though, the law had changed and he was needing to collect 500 signatures. However... By December 25th, he still hadn't got he still hadn't submitted anything and a new law started. So now he needed 1934 signatures. However, he claimed that he had over 2000. Hmm. So why he never turned in those mm-hmm. is a mystery. So on January 22nd of 1997, Letourner misses his deadline for submission. So there's that. On May 19th of 2002, DNA testing from a 2001 investigation failed to link Hart to the murders. The samples were insufficient and too deteriorated. However, a partial DNA profile from a woman was retrieved. Hmm. Again, it was only partial. So they could not rule it out as being a victim's or even a counselor's. Mm -hmm. Um or even being a mom's because yeah. maybe a mom touched it or something or sneezed on it. I don't know, you yeah. know, or could it have been the work of another murderer? Yeah. And if you know, in the vest- in the investigation, when counselors were being questioned, uh-huh. many times they were asked, you know, they thought maybe one of the murderers could have been a woman. Yeah. Uh, they were asked. And I, I know we didn't really include this because I think it was – it's bananas that they asked this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any of them were lesbians. Oh. And I just, I, I scoff and roll my eyes at that because I, it, it had to have just been that time period, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it's just disgusting to think that that's what they wanted to jump to. Right. Um, in July 8th of 2002, all of the sudden, Ted LaTurner. He's back. <laughs> Unnamed people are now named. He's named them all. He claimed the murderers to be Sonny James, Bill Stevens, and Frank Justice. His eyewitness was Minister Reverend Gerald Manley, who claimed that he saw all four of those men inside the tents the night of the murders, including Jean Leroy Hart. Hmm. Hmm. Additionally, three evidence bags were found in Mays County Jail in Locust Grove the same year. The jail was serving as an evidence locker in 2002. Mm-hmm. These bags were deteriorated grocery bags stacked on an old bunk that were stapled shut and marked. It was stated to have dried blood samples from the victims is what it said that it was. Here's a kooky fact, though. Ted LaTurner allegedly became overwhelmed and copped out, leaving town and started drinking. <laughs> he left in November of 1996 before the grand jury could be called in. LaTurner, it turns out, was a former special deputy for Paul Smith, who was the sheriff investigating the murders in the 1980s. LaTurner mysteriously disappeared without a trace in 1996. He eventually returned to Oklahoma, cleaned up, and didn't have any plans on reinvestigating the case. I don't even know what to say. On May 25th of 2007, more DNA testing began. On June 25th of 2008, the DNA testing was inconclusive, stating that the samples were too deteriorated. On July 8th of 2011, John Russell Penn, an ex-convict who admitted to having a checkered past, claimed he would reveal the murder of the girls in his upcoming movie. Uh. He named Carl Myers as the perpetrator, stating that Myers had admitted to the murders in a drunken stupor in 1978 while the two were in jail in Ottawa County. In jail and he was drunk? That's a good point. 
Maybe he was. In, maybe he had like public intox or something. And maybe he maybe is in, in the drunk tank. Well, I guess you said it was Osage Jail. Uh, Ottawa. Oh, Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe. March 8th, 2014, OSBI authorized a comprehensive review of some 200 pieces of evidence with the most up-to-date forensic science. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children agreed to help. Mays County Sheriff, OSBI case agent, and OSBI lab director all traveled to Virginia to consult with those experts and submit evidence to a private lab. Uh, July, or June of 2017, $30,000 is raised in private donations to send evidence uh, in for testing. Mm-hmm. On June 11th of 2021, Cherokee County Sheriff Jason Chenault and retired Cherokee County investigator Jack Goss claimed to have a new lead. Stated that during a taped interview in December of 1990, Johnny Rotrammel, I don't know how to pronounce that, said he and several other guys were at Barron Fork Creek a few weeks after the murders. Rotrammel told authorities that the brothers Wesley and Jesse Daryl Duffields told him that Hart didn't do the crimes. They know who did. However, those men were deceased. Interesting. So I leave it at 2021, mm-hmm. and you're going to pick up with the latest. Yes. So Sheriff Mike Reed, he spent his childhood in Mays County, and he was a boy when the murders happened Mm -hmm. and he never thought for a second that he would be the one asked to reopen the case or take another look at the crime and Lori Farmer's parents Sherry and Bo Farmer are the ones who approached Reed and asked him to give the case a fresh look Mm -hmm. and uh, I believe that was in 2012 okay he said quote When I give my word, that means something to me. I gave them my word. I didn't know what I could do, but I'd look at it. So one year after Sheriff Reed began examining the case, he and OSBI consulted with, like you just said, uh, the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, uh, where the case was assessed by 23 homicide investigators, FBI behavioral analysis, and profilers. The best of the best in law enforcement made up a cold case board that investigated some of the oldest and most uh, complex homicides in the country. And after only about a month uh, in looking into this case, this board pretty much agreed that Gene Leroy Hart had to have been the killer. So investigators actually made the suggestion to the family, the farmer family, that the DNA needed to be analyzed again. However, the testing, I think you just mentioned, would cost a pretty penny at $30,000. And that was money that the sheriff's office didn't have. Yeah. However, the cool thing about it is, is the residents of May County were actually the ones who raised the entire fund right. to get the DNA right. tested. So no full DNA profile had ever been developed. And um, officially the testing results, like you said, were considered inconclusive. And inconclusive doesn't mean unhelpful. Right, exactly. And partial profiles can be used to eliminate suspects. Yes, yes. And Reed said that authorities questioned over 130 potential suspects wow. in the case. And other names surfaced through the years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of like you just went over. Right. And Sheriff Reed had worked on the case for nine years. It, Like I said, it began when the Farmer family approached him when he was elected sh- uh, sheriff in 2012. And so in 2022... Um, the answer the family had been looking for all these years was delivered by Sheriff Reed. Reed God, said can that. You imagine. I, I mean, just to like officially know. Right. Part of me too. Like when you answered the door and you saw it was him. Mm-hmm. Do you think like in my mind, I feel like 98% of me would have been like, he's about to tell me he has no idea. Yeah. I, I would have just been I mean, thinking the worst at that point. It would be like, okay, this has been going on for nine years. It's going to, obviously it's going to go one of two ways. Right. They either mm-hmm. know 
or, or they don't or they yeah. don't and there's nothing left i just you know I can't even imagine how nerve-wracking oh, that had to have been. That had to have been the longest walk probably from letting him into your house to sitting him down somewhere mm-hmm. in your house mm-hmm. in the world. Oh, yeah. Reed said that every single piece of DNA evidence had been accounted for, and he said there's no doubt in his mind the evidence shows Gene Leroy Hart is the killer. Authorities released the news that the results of the existing DNA evidence quote, quote, strongly suggested Hart's involvement and ruled out every suspect except for him. Mm-hmm. Reed was quoted saying, I have a lot of quotes in here because okay. they were just yeah, too good. He said, quote, unless something new comes up, something brought to light that we are not aware of, I am convinced where I'm sitting of Hart's guilt and involvement in this case. Reed also added that the DNA results have been known since 2019 but were not released to the public until the family requested it. And I think part of this is due to, um, I think maybe part of it's due to the family's kind of taking it all in, right. Processing it. Right. But I think the other part is, I think the keepers of the ashes docuseries on Hulu was kind of art like in the works. And Uh so they were kind of limited on what they could release to the public because of the the interviews and stuff that were going on for this docuseries. Yes. And I know during that time, too, I th- you know, Doris Milner's father passes away. Uh, Michelle's, I think, I don't know if both her parents passed away, or I know at least one of them had passed away. And so it would, I mean, how do you honor that family mm-hmm. when there may not be any living parents mm-hmm. to go to? I mean, I guess you could, you would, in my mind... You would contact siblings the siblings. Or, yeah. yeah. Sheriff Reed made a statement that I found to be uh, really impactful. And he said, quote, I pray there's something that we've done that gives the family a second of something that even resembles closure or acceptance or something. I pray that. But as far as peace, there's absol- absolutely nothing about this case that has given me one second of peace, period. From watching the pain on the family to having to go through the crime scene before, during, and after. From watching the legal system to watching the parole board to watching how this whole thing played out. To watching how people would use this to springboard their own personal agendas. There ain't nothing about this whole thing that is peaceful. It is evil. And I I just... That, when I that read that, gave me chills. When I read that, that gave me chills because he's so right. Right. You can kind of have some closure, maybe, but you're you're never going to have that peace. No. Reed also said that the facts go way beyond the DNA evidence. Hart was a textbook serial rapist, which we, we all know. We d- yeah. Because, you know. The evidence spoke for itself. I mean, his past crimes. Yeah, because 10 years before the Girl Scout murders, he kidnapped and raped those two pregnant women. He was convicted and given parole. And after only serving two and a half years for that crime, he was, you know, paroled for that. He says that the conspiracy theory. He never should have been out of jail. Never been out of jail. Never. He says the conspiracy theories surrounding this case over the years have been endless. Oh, yeah. And he agreed to look into the case for one reason and one reason only the families. Lori Farmer's mother, Sherry Farmer, has felt the pain of this crime for 45 years. Now, this was in 2022 when she was talking. And or she said that her and her husband, Bo, have some peace, but there will never be closure. That's what. Wasn't she the one who said, like, people when she like is introduced to people and they say, oh, you have four children. And she's like, no, I have five. Oh, yeah. She always includes Lori. Mm hmm. Yep. Oh, gosh. Yep. She said that she still remembers the day when Hart was acquitted of the murders. Oh, how could you not? They went to visit Lori at her grave afterwards and made a promise to her that they would continue to search for justice and that they would do something positive in her memory. She says that they still care about the truth. She said, quote, 
It's a journey I wouldn't wish on anyone. It's shocking. It's different than a death. It's different than a loss because our daughter was murdered. Right. It was intentional. And she died with two other little girls that we don't want to forget either. Sherry and Bo Farmer have dedicated their lives to victims' rights and giving parents like themselves a voice. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, in 1977, there were no victims' rights. Victims are the person who died. You are not the victim. Now we know that when something happens, victims' families are victimized also. We work to get that recognized, that we are those people. We do need help. So in 1984, the couple formed the Oklahoma chapter of Parents of Murdered Children. In 2018, Sherry successfully campaigned for the passage of Marcy's Law in Oklahoma, which called for increased protections for victims. Today, Sherry still works as as a victim's rights advocate, giving talks to students, legislators, uh, civic organizations, and law enforcement. And... This is one of the last quotes I'm going to read from her, but it's really powerful what she says. She says, we're not able to accomplish anything unless we can generate others to become as affected by crime as those of us who are. If everybody is complacent and only people who have been affected by crime are doing anything, nothing will ever happen. I'm hoping to motivate other people to care even though they haven't had a murdered child. I always call this Lori's legacy of love. She didn't get to live and grow up, but she does have a legacy. And to me, it is love. That's how Bo and I have lived our lives. Our children are all grown up. Our grandchildren are a lot more grown up, but they have learned how to live with their sister being murdered and making amazing choices in what they do and how they conduct their lives. Our grandchildren have done amazing things. Closure will not be a part of our lives. Our pathway has always been justice for Lori and to help other people, and it always will be. And I just thought that was beautiful, the way she said that. And it's so true because as, especially as a mother, she was, I mean, a part of her Mm -hmm. died that same day. Mm -hmm. And you just can't I can't I pray that I never have to experience that but I'm so I'm she's just inspirational almost Mm -hmm. because you're like from to take what she was given what you know hand she was dealt and she really is helping people who are in and like she's like you said that she said she would never wish this on anybody but you know unfortunately the fact it that happens. they can make some good come out of right. a horrible, tragic instant. Absolutely. Um, it's amazing how, you know, because a lot of people might just shut down. Right. Exactly. And and yeah. I, and I, in my mind, that's the camp I would probably be in. I yeah. would just completely shut down. Yeah. And, but for them, they're just they're fighting right and i and they'll fight every day and of their I, life, rest of their lives i think that's wonderful and it's like you said they never um never going to forget her mm-hmm. they're never going to uh, let her memory die and and not just her but the denise and michelle right as well but anyway so sherry said that she wants to make sure Lori, denise and michelle are remembered which i think They've done a really great yes. job. Uh, in May of 2022, a documentary series called Keepers of the Ashes, the Oklahoma Girl Scout Murders was released on Hulu. It was hosted by native Oklahoman Kristen Chenoweth from Broken Arrow, who had actually been scheduled to attend Camp Scott as a seven-year-old in 1977, but had backed out due to an illness. An illness. In the series, Chenoweth said the following, quote, This happened. There's no closure. There's no pretty red bow at the end. When I think of those three girls, I wonder what's the best way to honor them. That's why I've come back to find answers once and for all. So this is actually a really great docuseries to watch if you haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, Highly recommend you watch it. Make sure you have a box of tissues because it will break your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it has so much information and it speaks to the families. And law enforcement that were all involved, or quite a few of them, I should say. Right. 
The ones that are still able to. Right. And uh, is it Sheriff Reed? He's in it. Yeah. Sheriff Reed is in it. I think he's still the sheriff of Mays County. I think you're right. Uh, It was officially announced, I think, at the beginning of this year or some. It was this year that they all DNA evidence from the crime matched the three girls and Hart. And it was officially considered solved. Mm-hmm. Um, after all his research and going through the evidence over and over, Sheriff Reed says he can disprove every wild theory out there with actual facts, except one thing, which is there may have been someone else involved after the fact because of a bloody footprint found in one of the tents. Mm. He believes it is logical to assume that it was someone innocently walking into the scene, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't rule it out. Right. So that is our Camp Scott Girl Scout murder conclusion. Wow. I did want to point out too, this is something that I forgot to put in there, but it reminded me when you were talking about the farmer family, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Gousset, the father of Michelle, he went on to help the state of Oklahoma legislators pass the Oklahoma Victims Bill of Rights, which is a pretty big deal Like to say mm-hmm. that these are the rights that victims now have. He also helped to... Um, uh, start the Oklahoma Crime Victims Compensation Board. Just another way to help victims because, you know, it's one thing if the victims are children, but if the victims are adults, mm-hmm. like that could have been, that could definitely be, you know, a family's, you know, means of making ends meet. Right. So um, I think that's, that's another great organization mm-hmm. that unfortunately had to come from this um this atrocity mm-hmm. i don't know it's just it's one of those very dark marks on the state of oklahoma and um just a tragic senseless senseless crime right um he should have never been out of jail he never should have been out of he jail. he sh- never should have left the McAllister. camp should have had better security measures because what they had was not sufficient mm-hmm. and yes we're looking at it through 2023 hindsight eyes but in 1977, this is post Ted Bundy. This is post Charles Manson. This is post, you know, John Wayne Gacy and post, you know, Dahmer. Mm-hmm. And we knew what serial killers were and we knew how they could. We knew the we I mean, it was in the middle of the Golden State Killer, in the middle of the Zodiac, you know, all of these other things that were going on. Like we knew that these things could happen. Mm-hmm. And and I and I like how, you know, yes, Oklahoma in the 1970s, we were still, we, we felt very, very probably far away from all of those crimes. Yeah. And that, oh, this is a camp back in the boonies. We Nobody's don't think gonna, something like that's going to happen right. in your town. Right. Or- and you never think, I mean, let's be honest, when you look at it, through different ways, like, you know, with school shootings and stuff, the same thing is always uttered. Well, I didn't think that would happen to us. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, you just, true. It's unfortunately the world we live in. And part of me is like, it's the world we've lived in for almost 50. I mean, for 50 years plus now. Mm-hmm. So, or maybe this is just the way we've, it's always been. I mean, Jack the Ripper was a hundred and some odd years ago mm-hmm. and look what he was doing. So, right. you know, you know, it's just people, People, there are people out there. People are inherently good, I think. I think most all of us are good. And there's just, you know, the three percenters that are evil, sadistic people mm-hmm. hell-bent on causing chaos. Yeah. So. Yep. Wow. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad that this is behind us. I am too. Um, I feel like the past four weeks have been a bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> right. Emotionally, for sure. And uh, draining a little mm-hmm. bit. And um, we deserve a snow cone. Uh, oh, man. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm I'm glad we were able to do it. I'm I am not going to lie. I am. Justice. I hope we did it justice. Yeah, I am glad it's over. <laughs> uh, please check out our source material. If you want more material, please look in the show notes. Everything is linked titles are used i think mm-hmm. even you can click on it and it'll take you straight to the amazon page yeah to purchase it check your local libraries if you are in tulsa county 
you can get any of these books at the Tulsa City County Library. If you have Hulu or you right. know someone who has Hulu, check <laughs> out the docuseries. Right. And there are so many. And I, I'm pretty sure you could Netflix, get on Netflix and just put in Girl Scout Murders. And I'm sure other documentaries would mm-hmm. come up. Um, but it's definitely something that I think we've learned from. I yeah. think we've learned from. And hopefully we never have to. Uh, hopefully other people have learned. Too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, like I said, check out the show notes. Uh, Maybe while you're checking out the show notes, go ahead and rate or leave us a review. Make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And you can always catch us, check us out, see what we're up to Mm -hmm. on all of our socials on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And thank you, thank you, thank you again for a fabulous season one. We have learned so much. Yeah. We have loved getting in contact with you all. We have loved coming to you guys almost every single week for a year. Um, So thank you. We cannot wait to be back in September. We've got, I mean, we've already got plans. We've got plans. Yeah, we do have plans. So So make sure, yeah, make sure you keep up with our socials because I'm, even though we're not putting out an episode, I'm sure we're still going to be posting. Yes. Oh, yeah. I I stay on it. I stay pretty much on the socials pretty. And like Tiff said, if you have any like, questions comments concerns and a story to tell us a personal story or who whatever a scary tale hit us up please do so where can they do that oh definitely you know curious cousins okay at gmail.com or on facebook on instagram on twitter dm us it'll be fine you can find us yeah you can and just tell them what to keep it keep it cookie and spooky bye, bye.